Ashley Buck reading Diane Palmer's book, Heart of Stone, Chapter 4. Winnie looked like a professional mourner. Her long, wavy blonde hair was ruffled by the wind, and her dark eyes were red from crying. It's all right, she said, trying to deflect troubles. Kill Raven, come to a stop tower over. You didn't need to come all the way out here to tell me I'm fired. I'm going to put in my resignation first thing tomorrow morning. He popped, propped his hand on his holster gun and stared down at her with glittering silver eye. Who asked you to quit? You said I should. She accused the debtor near I had new eyes. You said I need to leave law enforcement to people who are qualified to work in it. The tall man grimaced. The tears were real. He'd, he'd been browbeaten into coming out here by his boss, Jacobsville Police Chief Cash Cryer, protesting all the way because he thought Winnie was putting on an act for sympathy, but this was no act. His rage dissolved like tears on hot pavement. I could have gotten you killed when he told him red-eyed and started crying all over again. That man had a pistol to your head. Kill Raven's breath. Perfect Eaglinch. It wasn't loaded. When he stared at him through a mist. What? It wasn't loaded. Kill Raven Peter. He was too drunk to realize the clip was missing. Wouldn't there still be one bullet chambered? When he asked Kill Raven. It didn't matter. What do you mean? It didn't matter. Why? He drew her along. He couldn't remember how to get the safety off. When he just looked at him now, not saying anything. But it could have ended in a tragedy. Kill Raven continued quietly. I mean, if he managed to actually fire the damn thing, he left the rest unsaid. When he blew her nose and wiped her eyes again. I know. They stuck you in that dispatch office with no real training, he muttered. Any big city 911 staff goes through a training program. Well, Jacobs County has one, too, he conceded. But the director thought you were just playing around, that you weren't really serious about working in the 911 center since you worked full-time for us in the police department. So he just dug you in and as an assistant to one of the regulars and let you get on with it. He thought you'd fold after a few days, that you only took the job because you were bored with being at home, and thought you'd stop working for the police emergency dispatch was, was entertainment. I had a long talk with the director before I came here. You did? When he was fascinated, she said, You didn't hit him or anything? I do not hit people. The tall officer replied hotly. That's not what. That's not what Harley Fowler says, Kelly murmured under her breath. Kilraven glared at her. The only. That guy pulled a knife on me and threatened to cut off my. Well, never mind what he threatened. He was lunging at me with it. It was hit him or shoot him. How many pins did they have to put in his jaw? Keely Wonderla. It was better than having to have a bullet dug out. Kill Raven protested. And I should know. I've had three bullets dug out over the years, along with various bites of sharp metal. And I'm wearing two steel pins as well. The pins hurt less. But he was studying them curiously. I'm not telling you where they are. Kilgrave said, and shame on you for what you're thinking. What he you You don't know. The hell I don't, you know. My great-grandfather was a full-fledged shaman who could read minds. That's not what Harley Fowler says he was, Keely interrupted. Gave her an exasperated glance. What does Harley Fowler know about me? I've never even met the man. He doesn't know you, but he plays poker with Darren Grier, who works with John Blackhawk, who's your half-brother, Achilles. Damn the FBI, kill Raven Curse. Harley doesn't, Harley doesn't belong to the FBI, when he pointed out. Garen 
and my brother do. Kilgrim said, and they can stop telling people lies about me and my family. John is your family, Winnie replied, and Harley didn't sell lies. He said your great-grandfather got mad at a local sheriff and smeared him with fresh meat and shoved him headfirst into a wolf den. Well, the wolf den was empty at the time. Kilgrim defended his ancestors. Yes, but your great-grandfather didn't know that. Keely laughed. Kilgrim made a face at Kilraven made a face at her. You didn't get that from Harley Fowler. You got it from Bentley Riddle. Keely blushed. Kilraven threw up his hand. You take your dog to a vet and expect him to stick to medicine, instead of which he pumps you for personal information and tells the whole community. You don't get to join the family unless we know everything about you, Clark pointed out. Kilraven's growled. What family? He asked suspiciously and glanced at Winnie, who blushed as warmly as Keely had. The Jacobsville family, Clark returned, were not a town, were a big extended family. You don't live in Jacobsville, you live in commercial wells, Kilraven retorted. It's an extension of Jacobsville, and you're avoiding the issue, Clark said with a grin. Kilraven's wide, sexy mouth pulled up into a faint snarl. I'm leaving. I don't want to be part of a family. With that attitude, I wouldn't worry about it. What he said under her breath. He paused to look down at her. Your director will talk to you in the morning about some more training. He's going to do it personally. I don't want you fired. Neither do any of the other law enforcement and rescue personnel. You've got a real knack for the job. Kill Raven turned on his heel and stalked off back to his patrol car. Got it under the wheel, cooks the engine into a roar, and shot out the driveway without a glance, a wave, or anything else. Well, he's sort of nice, Clark admitted. He's sort of scary, too, Keeley said, watching Winnie. Winnie was smiling through her tears. Maybe I'm not a lost cause after all. Keeley heard her. Definitely not a lost cause, she laughed. <sighs> well, I guess I'll go inside and find something to eat. She stopped. Her gaze moved from Clark to Winnie. What are you two doing together? Driving boom mad, Clark said in a grin. Would you like to explain how? His sister asked. I invited Keeley over to ride horses with me, and Boone was in the barn when we drove up together. So that's why, when he began talking, why what? Keeley wanted to know. Why my brother was sitting on the shoulder of the road in his car with a Texas Department of Public Safety car flashing its lights behind him with a trooper sitting inside running once in warrants. How do you know what he was doing? Keely asked. Because I run tags all the time at work for the troopers and the local police, she replied. What was Boone doing? Clark asked hesitantly. When he chuckled, teaching a trooper new words from the look of it, I didn't dare stop to ask. Oh, dear? Keely said glancing at Clark. Stop that. Clark said, it's none, of Ben's it's none of Boone's business if I want to ask you out over here. Ask you over here to go riding with me. It shouldn't be, when he told her brother, but he'll make it his business. He thinks Keeley's too young to go out with men. Any men. Clark's eyes popped. She's almost 20 years old. Well, of course she is, when he said gently, but not to Boone. To him, she's still in pigtails trying to teach her dog how to fetch newspapers. Don't dig that up, Keeley moaned. That, that was when your folks returned, rented the place down the road while your house was being remodeled. You'd have been about 11. That dog was very good at fetching newspapers. It was just that it was easier for him to bring you Boone's paper from our front porch than it was to fetch yours out of the paper box at the end of your driveway. Boone yelled at me. Keely retorted with her. Boone yells at everybody. When he reminded her, almost everybody, Clark qualified. Keely's eyebrows are almost. He didn't work. When, it didn't work when he yelled at Bentley Riddle, did it? He chuckled when he told me. Yeah, when Keely looked puzzled. Bentley isn't afraid of anybody, Keely responded. He's been good to me. 
I think he'd had a crush on you, except for his age, Clark. He's even older than Boone. I guess he is. Is at that, Keeley said. Want some lunch? When he asked him after a moment of silence, we'll have to get it ourselves because our Mrs. Johnson is off today, but I can make a salad and Keeley can make you real bread. I'd love homemade bread, Clark said. The lunchroom ladies used to make it at school when I was a kid. Would you mind? When he asked her best friend, Keeley said, not at all. I love to cook. It would also give her an excuse not to have to go home for a while. Her mother would be getting up pretty soon, hungover and as you as usual, and driving Keeley nuts. With a little luck, maybe Carly would come over and take Ella out partying since it was Saturday. It would give Keeley a lovely, quiet night at home alone. She didn't get called out, something she rarely experienced. Three of them worked in a companionable silence while they whipped together a light lunch. Keeley took a little of the dough she was using for rolls and added real butter, pecans, cinnamon, and sugar and made cinnamon buns for dessert. Wendy's pasta salad had time to chill while the dough sat rising. Within an hour, Keeley had fresh bed on the table and cinnamon buns cooking in the oven while they were, while they ate their way through pasta and fresh fruit. In the middle of the impromptu, Spoon walked in. He stepped, stopped in the doorway. His nostrils flared. I smell fresh bread. He marks around. Where the hell did you get fresh bread? Is there a bakery in town that I don't know about? Keely made it. Clark murmured, working his way through a third yeast roll, liberally spread with butter. Um, he had it closed in his eyes, growing at the delicious taste. Did you get a ticket? When he asked, trying to divert him from the penetrating glance, he was aiming at Keeley, who squirmed in chair. Ticket for what? Boone asked, digging in the china cabinet for a plate. Speeding? She replied. He put his plate on the table and fetched silverware and a napkin. He poured himself a cup of coffee from the pot and sat down with the other three. Keeley's heart was already doing overtime, and she had to work it act the normal while Boone was so close. I got a warning, he said tauntly. My friend Nora is the county deputy clerk of court. Your mind. If you get a speeding ticket, it will go through her office and she'll tell me. His mouth was, I got a small ticket. <laughs> There's only one size, she said. He ignored her. He reached for a roll, buttered it, took a bite. He wore the same expression that was dominating Clark's face. Fresh rolls were a treat. Their cook, Mrs. Johnson, couldn't make bread, although she was a great cook otherwise. There's some salad left when he commented, pushing the bowl toward him. Where did you learn to make rolls? He asked Keeley, and he seemed really interested in her answer. When I lived with my father, he ran a big game park. One of his temporary workers had been in, a, in the military and traveled all over the world. He was a gourmet chef. He taught me to make bread and french pastries when I was 12 years old. What sort of animals did your father have? Boone persisted. The usual ones, she said without meeting his eyes. Giraffes, lions, monkeys, and one elephant. African lions? She nodded. And one mountain lion. She had a no one noticed that her fingers on her fork went white. They have mean tempers. One of my ranch hands had to track one down and kill the one he worked over in Arizona some years ago. He was bringing down cattle. He said he killed one of his dragon dogs before he could get a clear shot at it. They tend to be vicious like most wild animals. They're not malice, you know. They're just wild animals. They do what they do. <laughs> what was your job at a wild game park? Boone murmured. I fed the animals and watered them and made sure the gates were locked tonight so they couldn't get out. She said. Finished his row and followed it with sips of black coffee. Not a smart job for a 12-year-old kid. He remarked. It was just dad and me, she said, except for old Barney, and he was crippled. He died in a lion who became a man killer in Africa and fought back. He lost an arm and a foot to it. Then he gave the bell when he killed it, Boone asked. She smiled faintly. He made a rug out of it and slept on every night when he left us. He was still carrying it around. The rolls were good, Boone said unexpectedly. 
Thanks, Keely replied shyly. You can get a job cooking. You can get a job cooking. He pointed out. She found. Why would I want to give up working for Bentley? His pleasant expression went in. God knows. <laughs> when he gave her brother a piercing look, he ignored it. He started her face. You've been crying. He said, bro. Why? She failed. She said, like, Why? He persisted. She knew it was useless to try to hide it from him. Someone would tell him it anyway. I almost got killed, Raven killed, she confessed, putting down her floor. How? I got rattled and forgot to warn him that the man involved in a domestic dispute was armed. She called quietly. Luckily for Kill Raven, the clip was missing and the man couldn't figure out how to get the safety off. Lucky for the man, Clark elaborated dryly. If he shot Kill Raven, he'd be waiting trial in the hospital. That would depend on where he shot him when he replied. Kill Raven's still right through, because he's no bullet could get through that hard show. She's right, Clark chuckled. They'd have to hit him with a bomb to make a dent in him. None of them noticed that Boom was sitting rigidly with his eyes, staring blindly into space. There was a look in them that any combat veteran would have recognized immediately, but nobody in his family had ever been in the military, except for himself. Keeley did notice. She knew that Boone had been in the war, that he'd been in front line. He'd been a frontline special forces soldier. She knew that he was relieving some terrible memory. Kelly knew about those because she had her own. Without saying a word, her eyes communicated that knowledge to the tank of man across the from her. He frowned and averted his eyes. He finished his coffee and got to his feet. I've got to make a few phone calls, he murmured. Kelly made cinnamon, cinnamon buns when he said, Do you want one? He hesitated on characters. Bring me one in the office with a second cup of coffee, will you? Yes, sure. When he said, no, his dark eyes slid to Keeley. You bring it, he said. Before she could answer him, he strode out of the door. Well, Clark said, surprised. He's in a mood to bite somebody, when he said, telling me. But he's a, Boone's a horror when there's no audience to slow him down. If he disapproves of you dating Clark, he'll make your life hell. I'll take his dessert to him. No. Clark said he looked at Keeley. You have to stop being afraid of him and stand up to him. He told this is a good time to start. Keely became pale. She hesitated and looked at Winnie to save her, but Winnie hesitated too. She frowned. Maybe Clark's right, she said after a minute. You're afraid of Boone. He knows it and uses it against you. Keely bit her lowly. I suppose you're right. I'm a whip. <laughs> you're not. You're not, her best friend replied. Here's your chance to prove it. With your shield or on it, Clark intoned dramatically. Keely glowered. I am not a Spartan. And Amazon then. Clark compromised and grinned. Go. Go get him. We'll be right here, Winnie protested. You can yell for help and we'll come running. Keely had her doubts about that. Winnie and Clark loved Boone, but neither of them had ever been a match for his temper. If she yelled for help, they'd assume that Boone was bristling and ready for a fight, and they'd be under heavy pieces of furniture trying not to get noticed. Still, they had a point. She was almost 20 years old. It was time she learned to fight back. She poured a cup of black coffee from the pot and took the cinnamon buns out of the oven. She put two of them on a saucer and added a napkin to her burdens. She glanced at her audience. Clark flipped. Flapped his hand at her when he mouthed, go on. She would have made a smart remark, but her heart was in her throat. Bothered her that Boone had asked her to bring dessert to him, considering his reaction to her friendship with Clark. He had to be up to something. She tapped nervously on the door. Come in, he called curtly. She bounced the saucer, holding the cinnamon buns on the coffee 
cup of coffee and generally opened his office door, closing it with her back once she was inside. It was a small, intimate room with ceiling the floor paper bookcases on two walls, fresh windows opening onto a small patio and a fireplace with gas logs. The carpet was deep beige, the curtains echoed the earth tones, but the furniture was red leather, as if it were sedateness of the room commanded a touch of color. Boone looked right at home in a big red leather upholstered chair behind his enormous solid oak desk. Over the mantel was a painting of Boone's father. It was a prophecy of what Boone would look like in old age with silver hair and a distinguished commanding expression. You look like him, Gilly mused as she put the coffee and its accompanying dessert gently in a bare spot on the paper littered desktop. Her hands were cold and shaky, and the cup rattled in the saucer. She hoped he hadn't noticed. Do I? He glanced at the board. He was that shorter than I am. You can't see height in a painting, she pointed out. She didn't want to argue. She started to the door. Come back here, he said courtly, and it was a request. It was now or never. She took a studying breath and turned. Winnie's waiting for me. Winnie? Yes, was a cynical smile. Or Clark? She swallowed. Her hands began to shake again. She clasped them at her waist to still them. Both of them, she compromised. He leaned back in the chair, ignoring the buns and the coffee. You and Clark have been like siblings for years. While the sudden passion. Passion? She paired her. He's dating you, didn't you notice? Yes, sarcastically. We went horseback riding, she pointed out. There are a lot of things you can't do on a horse. <laughs> His eyebrows made urgent. Really? What sort of things? He was baiting her. She glared him. You said you wanted cinnamon buns and coffee. There it is. She started toward the door again. Incredible! How fast he could move. She thought dazedly when he was already at the door before she could reach it. She had to stop suddenly to keep from running right into his tall, powerful body. He turned so that her back was against the door. His dark eyes narrowed as he looked down at her. She felt like a small, delicious, and decidedly alarmed bunny. He knew it. He smiled slowly and his eyes began to glitter. You're afraid of me, he said in a slow, deep tone. Her hands peered spread behind her against the door, and she tried to melt into it. He was very close. She could feel the heat from his tall, powerful body, smell the clean, spicy scent of him as he leaned closer. Now he had an advantage, yet he knew it. She'd done a stupid thing trying to run. You aren't afraid of Clark or Bentley, though, are you? He persisted. They're nice people. <laughs> he made a short, rough sound deep in his own. And I'm not. She dragged in a ragged breath. Her eyes would only go as high as the top shirt button, which was unfastened. Thick black curly hair peeked out from under it. She wondered if there was more across his broad, muscular chest under the fabric. He never took his shirt off or even opened it past the top button. She was curious. Her thoughts surprised her. She hadn't thought that way about a man in a long time. He recognized her fear for what it was. One lean hand came up to her cheek and brushed back strands of soft blonde hair. The gesture sensual enough to make her shiver. She couldn't hide her reaction to him. She didn't have the experience. Pressing his advantage, she bent and brushed his nose lazily against hers and an odd, intimate little caress. That made her breast stop in her throat. He smelled lilacs. He was the scent I never connected with any other woman. It's only shampoo, she blurted out. She was shy and nervous. She didn't understand what he was doing. Was this a pass? She couldn't remember a man ever treating her like this. As it, he shifted just a little, but enough to bring his long legs in contact with hers. And an intimacy she never shared with a man. Instinctively, her small hands went to his chest and pushed once jerkingly. He pulled back from her with a rough word. His eyes were blazing when he looked down at her. Did you think I was making a pass at you? He challenged her. You'd be lucky. I don't waste my time on children.
She was shivering, so Buster was threatening and he looked murdered. Hell, he burst out furious at his own weakness and her cold reaction to it. She was just a little icicle. Her lower lip trembled. He was scary like that. She still connected anger with physical violence thanks to a friend of her father. She cringed involuntarily when lifted his hand. Her blamed fear put a quick cap on his temper. He stopped for a moment, puzzled. What he was learning about her without a word being spoken fascinated him. She really was afraid of him, not only of his adore, but his temper as well. She thought he was raising his hand to strike her, which posed the worrying question. Had had some man hit her in the past? I was going to open the door, Keeley. He said in a totally different tone, the one he used with you. I don't have women. That's the coward's way. She forced her eyes up to his. She couldn't tell him. She kept so many secrets. They were nightmares in her past. He frowned. His fingers went to her cheek and drew down it with an odd tenderness. They moved to her soft mouth and traced it, then lifted to smooth back her hair. What happened to you? He asked in the softest tone he'd ever used with her. She met his eyes evenly. What happened to you? She countered in a voice that was barely louder than a whisper to divert him. Me. She nodded. When Clark was talking about bombs, you got all quiet and your eyes were terrible. The expression on his face went from tender to indifferent in seconds. He was shutting her up. You better go back to the others. He said he opened the door for her and stood aside waiting for her to leave. She went through it hesitantly, as though there was something unfinished between them. Thanks for the coffee and dessert. He said tauntingly and closed the door before she could say another word. End of chapter 4